Embodying holiness is about letting the life of Christ live itself out through our everyday lives. In each episode, we'll talk about the many beautiful ways that we are encouraged and challenged to embody and reflect the characteristics of Christ. We're not perfect, and we're not experts. We're regular people who are seeking to embody holiness in our everyday. So if you don't feel spiritual, if you aren't sure how to grow in holiness, or if you'd just like some company on the journey, then you're in the right place. I'm Lindsay Lewis. I'm Alex Doliak. And I'm Susan Eaton. Thanks for being a part of the community and conversation as we learn how to embody holiness together. Welcome back to the Embodied Holiness podcast in our Advent series. Uh, I am Alex Doliak, and I'm joined this morning by the one and only Susan Eaton. Hi, Alex. Hey, Susan. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. We're glad you joined us again uh, for this conversation on the Advent season. Uh, maybe you've joined us the past couple of weeks, maybe not, but we've spent some time talking about the the chaos and and real paradox of Advent. Uh, we've even talked about the waiting and the, and the patience and waiting and kind of where the value is there. But mm-hmm. this week, uh, Susan and I are going to dive into maybe more of a little bit of, of a practical way to engage with the season, uh, a way to, to really put our feet in front of the other and kind of practice what we preach and trying to see more of God and experience more in God and ultimately embody more of God uh, during this this time of year. I love that, Alex. Thank you so much. And um, again, just to remind everybody, the book we're using is a Tish Harrison Warren book um, entitled appropriately Advent. Well done. Very simple, uh, very basic, very clear about what she's talking about. But in this chapter, Um, on approaching, as we're approaching our coming Christ. um, And she talks about these practices that we can engage in. One thing she reminds us of is how Advent is so different than our cultural celebration of Christmas. Because while our cultural celebration of Christmas encourages consumerism and indulgence, Advent really calls us more to a self-denial yes, and, and a question of how can I contribute and give to the world? What is God asking of me uh, more than how can I get and, and what can come to me? Yes, yes. And that is, yes, that is, that is exactly the, the struggle of, of, of Christmas is, here I am facing outward to a world that is telling me to buy, 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 consume, 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 uh, create, create, create. And then here is scripture and, and this God asking me to silence those things and to say, hey, where can I deny myself so that I can can be a vessel, so I can give to others in mm-hmm. a way that is, is meaningful? That's that's not an easy place to be in, but it's where we're at mm-hmm. uh, in, in Advent. And I think it's an important conversation to have. So let's talk about these practices and these ways that we can, during this very busy season of the year, we can be mindful and we can make the intentional choice to just do something different. Maybe take a portion of our day, um, a portion of this season to really focus in on something different than what the Mm -hmm. cultural culture is constantly asking me to do. I mean, there's just so much marketing swirling around us right now yes. that is 
telling us that what we really want is to gain more and to get more and to look a certain way. And, and so how can we dive into these practices to mm. do something a little different? So um, you were saying that the one that captivated you the most was the practice of fasting. Yes. I am fascinated with fast with fasting, honestly. Um, <laughs> just just because when I hear the word fasting, I think of maybe a more extreme uh, practice than most people want to deal with. Because I don't know about y'all, but I love food, and mm. immediately I go to like this idea of you know I'm I'm not going to eat. I'm going to go some period of time without consuming whatever things I like, whatever it is, um, and. I love the way that that she really kind of says it um, about this this idea of self denial. Mm-hmm. Um, but she says, I think she quotes uh, Saint Leo, um, but in something that he said, and it says, "Let us supplement our fasting with acts of mercy toward the poor. Let us spend on virtue what we withhold from pleasure. Let abstinence on the part of someone fasting become nourishment for the poor." And so to me, like what that reminds me of is, is okay, I'm going to not do something. I'm going to not engage with something that is self-serving mm. so that I can serve other people in a way that um, is, is meaningful and powerful. And it, it, it goes back to this, this idea of making room in myself uh, to, to, to notice a need and, and, and notice my own need and say, hey, that's not important right now this is where I feel called. This is where I feel moved into the world. Um, and I don't know, th- thinking about fasting in that way um, makes it a lot more of a call of a Christian th- than more so of an extreme practice mm-hmm. uh, that I can you know, partake of in Lent or Advent or whenever. Um, it, it, it makes it something that, that I feel like, hey, this is something that I can engage with in a way that lines up with my call to follow Christ. Um, I don't know. It hit me different for some it's reason. It's so good because you're you're talking about the balance in mm-hmm. it because spiritual practices are personally and individually edifying. They're supposed to. Mm-hmm. They they connect me with God and that's important. I need a personal connection with a personal God. Right. And but it doesn't end there. And right. that's what I hear you saying is that I participate in fasting. I I let go of fulfilling myself in some way right so that i have space to put put that out into the world right to you know, deny myself so that i can give to someone yeah. else and i think that's a good reminder for all of us that that fasting doesn't just have to pertain to food um there are a lot of different ways that that you can fast as a part of a practical um, spiritual discipline of advent uh, maybe food and and you have a have a relationship that might it might not be smart for you to fast from food. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a a physical reason why you need to eat certain things at certain times, a certain amount of times a day. Um, I, I think the overarching theme of fasting is this denial of of myself, so that I am creating more space inside of me to be used for for a, a way of service mm-hmm. to someone else or something else. Um, and I think Tish does a good job of, of, of reminding us, hey, 
when we fast from things, it's not this declaration that this is a bad thing. You know, this isn't good um, or, or good for us. It's really just um, a, a, a way to recognize the fact that, hey, food or whatever, this practice or Netflix or whoever, whatever it may be, is a, is a good thing, but it's not the ultimate good thing. Mm. Um, it's not the thing that really provides us the comfort we look for uh, when we go to it. Um, and especially in a holiday season full of comfort food, um, I think it's a reminder for us to, hey, you know, let, let's abstain from from something that we do find comfort in so that we can find ultimate comfort in God and what it means um, that, that he comes to us in this time of year. I think even the simple thought process of what would God ask me to fast from during the season of Advent would be quite the eye opener to the things that have me enslaved mm. very possibly yes. what are the things i'm using to prop myself up to um, make myself comfortable to avoid certain things you mm. know um, what might have me enslaved and so that's a good practice just in and of itself and and then to pick that thing and practice the self-denial piece of that would be quite the growth experience, I would think. Yes, I completely agree. And it all it's all leading up to to this spiritual feast, you know, maybe not just spiritual, maybe maybe it's a literal feast too on, on Christmas. Um, but I think there's an important process of of going through the fasting and whatever form it may look like for you so that you can really experience the feast, experience the joy of, of the provision of the Lord mm-hmm. uh, in a powerful way. Yeah. Great reminder that, that Jesus did fast a lot. He, he did long fasts. I mean, he did, he did 40 day intense fasts, Mm-mm. but Jesus also <laughs> feasted so much. He was criticized for it. He had a balance in his life. He, he understood that the practice of self-denial was was a practice that would help him say yes more to the Father's will than his own will. Mm. And we are not called to not feast. We are not called to not celebrate. We will be celebrating and feasting, and it is an important part of life that we take joy and pleasure and delight in the things that are around us, but we have to balance it. We've got to have a balance because Mm. our tendency, again, is to become captured in certain ways. And and we are, again, we are these embodied spiritual beings. And so how I deny myself physically does have an impact on on me spiritually as well. To me, it's it's the Lord looking at, at me and asking myself, how are you actively embodying humility? Like Tish says in, at some point in this book, how are you putting humility into practice in your life? Um, I think if you ask yourself that question, then whatever comes out of that will be a, a, a meaningful experience and practice for you to engage mm-hmm. in. Okay, so Susan, I've, I've had my moment uh, to tell you that what I connected with, this idea of fasting as a, as a, a way to engage with the season of Advent, but you brought up uh, one of the practices that Tish mentioned that might be overlooked because it, sometimes it is so commonly talked about, uh, but maybe we don't spend the time uh, needed to really engage it as it was meant to be engaged, um, and that is prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Tish talks about as, as one of the most accessible ways um, to really connect with this time of year in, in a preparatory way. 
Um, tell us a little bit about what you connected with uh, from this chapter on prayer. Okay, so as she started talking about prayer, it's like, yeah, we all know prayer should be a vital part of the life of the Christian. And where my thought process went was my approach to prayer, my my posture in my praying. And I and I wondered if we are not making prayer all about seeking an emotional experience for ourselves rather than a time to seriously consider how I can partner with God to take up God's priorities and join God in bringing his kingdom to my own neighborhood and my own community. So do you see the difference that a lot of times I'm like, God, what can you do for me? God show up and, and I want to feel something and I want to experience you in this very tangible, emotional way. And perhaps what I need to be focused on is Lord, how would you, again, from the self denial, right? How would you have me deny myself so that I can join you and I can be about contributing Mm. to this world the way you would have me contribute. And Mm. I think that's just a very different um, posture to take in prayer. That is not to say that I think it is wrong to ask God for things. Jesus tells us to ask our Father for what we need. We are encouraged to do that. It's just this relationship balance again. You know, that if I'm always seeking God to do something for me, but I'm not ever putting myself in the the place of thinking, what does God want from me? Mm. What can I give to him? Um, then I'll get a little bit disordered in yes. my own prayer life. I think that's a great point. And I, it reminds me of a conversation that we had last night with some of our youth uh, on this this character of King Herod in, in, the, in the Christmas story that kind of gets demonized, right? I mean, mm. like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, well, let's go slaughter some babies, Herod. That's mm. terrible. Well, like, it was awful. Right. It's awful. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. Um, but I think this idea of, of Herod... Uh, protecting his kingdom, protecting mm. his status and his power and his control and influence over what he had come to know as his gave him a perspective on Jesus um, as a threat, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, you know, how can we not sit on our own throne and, and look at Jesus in the manger? How, how can we reverse those roles and really um, you know, bow to this king and, and elevate him to a place where we are not the center of our prayer time. You know, mm-hmm. we are not the end all be all of what we are asking for. God's goal is to make us whole. Mm. He is to bring, he wants to bring wholeness and completeness to my life. And so I've heard it said that whenever we'll, we're building human kingdoms, we're actually diminishing ourselves. Mm. And, and God hmm. says, as you build my kingdom, you come into your wholeness. You come into the fullness of who I've created you to be. And so I think in our personal prayer time or in our corporate communal prayer time, as we take the intentional action of saying, Lord, how would you have us serve? How would you have us deny ourselves so that we can be obedient and faithful to build your kingdom? We are going to find our wholeness and our completeness mm. there individually and as the body. Yes. You know, I think it's it's so interesting. Um, somebody told me this at some point, I think, um, that we are so much more ourselves when we are not focused on ourselves. Like, mm-hmm. And I think that really, I think God's desire is, for, is to look down on us and hear us start realizing in practice that, 
when we do not put ourselves at the center of our lives, we are mm-hmm. built up and made whole because that's not why we were here. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not we're not just consumers. We're not just takers and, and experiencers. Um, you know, we, we are creators. We are we are people that are made in this image of the God that that we are talking to so that we can go be, you know, his spirit mm-hmm. embodied around us. And I just think that's a really beautiful thing to authentically realize. Um, but unless it's authentically realized, it's hard to mm-hmm. to kind of put your mind around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So prayer is just such a diverse uh there's so much diversity in how to approach prayer and none of it is bad. I think what I keep coming back to is the word balance. Mm. I want to connect with God. I I need to connect with that. Prayer is, is my conversation. It is my place of connection, but I, just like in any relationship, I cannot make it all about me mm-hmm. all the time or it's just lacking, and it's not what it can be. God will always receive us. God will always honor us. God will always meet us where we are. But he will also call us up to have a higher intention, mm-hmm. which yeah. goes beyond ourselves, so for the sake of others. So to, to include praying for others and um, to include um, confession and to to make commitments for even just a single day. Lord, today, show me my next right step for today of mm. obedience and faithfulness. What, how will we step into that this Advent season? Because I think that if I'm practicing fasting where I deny fulfilling myself and I seek to pray in a way that isn't just asking for God to do for me and to give me an experience of him, but asking God, how can I serve you and how can I serve others today? Then that's just going to lead us very naturally into this third practice that she um, invites us into, which is giving. Yes. Giving will become so much easier when I'm already in the posture of of surrender and openness and, and releasing this desire to gratify my own desires. Mm, yes, absolutely. And I, I think that's a, a beautiful, maybe, maybe a, I don't know, tester of, of maybe your own type of, um, your own type of practice is, is to ask yourself the question, is it putting me more into the fullness of what it means to be with the Lord? Because I think what she points out here in this book is that these three different practices that she highlights are, are kind of um, holding each other together in, in some ways mm-hmm. um, because they're all interconnected. Like you said, like fasting makes way and makes room for more uh, intentional prayer time, which both of those practices uh, can kind of serve as the soil that that is cultivated so that we can give and we can produce something um, that the Lord can use in a powerful way. Um, and so I think I think you're right. I think they they all work together. And I think all of our practices, even more than these, you know, need to, we need to ask ourselves, you know, are they connecting us back to connect to God ultimately and to loving the people around us? Because mm-hmm. those are those are the, the main call. That's, that's the commandments, you know, that we're asked to to uphold. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, like, how often we fear or fail to look at our own giving um, as a sign of our spiritual health. Mm. 
you know, we're afraid to look at that. We, we don't want to acknowledge that. We are really tied to our money. We're, we're tied to our resources. And anytime anyone brings those things up, we, we, we get a little allergic to that. Mm-hmm. We have a bit of a reaction to that. But, but I really sense this trifecta of spiritual practices, like you said, going so well together. Um, self-denial, Lord, how can I serve you? And then releasing my stuff and to others, you know, really giving is a good barometer for our spiritual health. Yeah, I think that's a scary fact to bring up is that, yeah, you're right. Sometimes it's a really good window into to where we are spiritually mm-hmm. and uh, maybe maybe really struggling with what God is asking us to give uh, when we don't want to. We don't mm-hmm. want to yield those things. Um, well, in that, you know, there's so much wrapped up in that, mm-hmm. you know, like I find my security in having enough money in the bank. I find my security in having, you know, my comfort things around me. I, 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 I just feel like I can have a certainty about my future when I am surrounded by those things. And, and again, we can become off balance. It's not that, that God says you can't have anything and you can't have any comfort in your life and you can't have the ability to, to delight yourself in the things of this world. I mean, he's not saying that, Mm -hmm. but we do become imbalanced. And again, it comes back to that idea of becoming a captive and Christ has come to set the captives free, Mm. but I will keep myself a captive when it comes to these kinds of things. Right. And, and so to trust God enough to say, Lord, these things are not what saved me. These things are not what determine that I will have a good and beautiful future. You are the one who saves me and you are the one who determines my good and beautiful future. My life is in your hands. And so I don't have to pile all these things around me I can have my eyes open and my heart open and and myself willing and ready to give to someone who is in need around me to serve in a way that might make me uncomfortable and and puts me out a little bit mm-hmm. uh, but I'm willing to do it because my life is not my own mm. and I I love that when you think about you know, Advent, of course, we think about it at the end of our year, right? We think about it at the end of, of the season, the end of December, and the big, almost getting ready for a new year. But really, it's the starting place for the religious year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a powerful message in itself is like, okay, you know, let's, let's get ourselves in a place that um, is foundationally strong. You know, let's get ourselves in a place where we realize God's reality mm-hmm. um, so that we are prepared and ready to live our lives and steward our lives in a way that does proclaim Jesus as Savior and mm-hmm. Messiah and King um, for this beginning, you know, of, of our year liturgically. And I think that's something that, you know, Advent is, yes, it is a season and it is a, an intentional time of year that is focused around a specific story of Jesus's coming. But I mean, it's what she's talking about this whole time, these different comings of Christ. Um, and the present coming of Christ is an always coming of Christ. And so it's taking this season um, for all that it's worth, but also not letting go of it when we leave it and, and go into our, our ordinary times or our regular lives mm-hmm. um, because the call is still there. The, the opportunity and the invitation is still there to experience the coming of Christ. Mm-hmm. And we've said that Advent is a season for prepare, preparing. It's preparation. And so what better way to prepare ourselves 
for our Christ than to practice mm. these things. Yeah. Um, and in that, we do we make room yeah. for Him. So I just wonder for those listening, uh, which spiritual practice would you like to um, try out this season? Mm. You don't have to. You know, take huge leaps. You can make one decision and start small. Um, try some things out and see what works for you. But you know, like you said, we are at the end of the calendar year, but we're at the beginning of the Christian year. So it's a great time both to reflect and and to decide what new commitments you want to make. And I think trying some of these practices can can help us. Yeah, get I, into that. And you know, the, these three might not be it for you. You know, you, maybe you maybe you have other practices that you connect more with that still aim you into a deeper connection with Christ and, and with the season. Um, I think the, the the hard part about this this chapter of the book and this these topics are is the practicality of it and the actual doing the work of it. Um, sometimes it can be easy to have conversation that doesn't really lead to any practice. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I just encourage anybody out there to, to make it a point to practice something um, centered around denying yourself so that you can connect more with God and maybe what he's calling you to do. Yes, practice something. But I would say push yourself, challenge yourself, you know, allow yourself to enter into that tension, to enter into uh, feeling uncomfortable, you know, try something that does put you out of your comfort zone. Sure. I mean, and that's where we grow. Yeah. That's where the growth comes from. So if you have no practices, no spiritual practices at all, yes, do something. But if you are um, in a very comfortable spot with your spiritual practices, pray and ask the Lord, is there something you would have me do that can stretch me? so that I can go deeper yeah. with you and I can be a more faithful disciple. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. And um, we do hope your season of Advent is a beautiful one. We're thankful that you're willing to try something new. And we are all looking forward to the celebration that is Christmas. And um, I'm going to feast. I mean, I know I am. Uh, Me and you both. (laughs) I'm I'm here for the feast. And I'm going to celebrate. And um, my prayer and, and my desire is that I will actually take every opportunity this season though to to really prepare myself and ready myself um, spiritually for the coming of my savior Mm, amen to that thanks for joining us today on the embodied holiness podcast you can find out more by following us on facebook or instagram at embodied holiness or by visiting our website at embodiedholiness.com embodied holiness is a ministry of Parkway Heights United Methodist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. If you're looking for a community where you can find belonging, we would love to meet you and welcome you to the family. You can find out more on our website at parkwayheights.org.